Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence. Self-confident. Unconstrained. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we have the show ponies. Some bands have one singer to handle all the lead vocals, and other acts build their sound around a pair of singers who arrange their parts so that they aren't just a lead part and accompanying harmony line. In the latter case, the pair of parts are written to work together as a sort of co-lead vocal. The paired singers in bands like the Indigo Girls and the Jayhawks continue to blend their voices in ways that make a whole that is musically stronger than the sum of its parts. The Los Angeles-based band The Show Ponies build their songs around the intertwined vocals of Clayton Chaney and Andy Schrock, and their band is certainly stronger for it. Their bio bills them as, quote, a folk band with bluegrass and old-time tendencies, and that's time with a Y. Their prevalent use of fiddle steers them towards bluegrass, but their inclusion of drums pulls them back. Like so many bands of the new millennium, the show ponies dump all their influences into a pot and serve up the stew without being overly concerned about what to call what they've made. Welcome to Independence Day, the show ponies. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. Let's introduce everyone straight away so we know who we're, who we're talking with here. Uh, on my right, but nobody can tell this, on fiddle, which is like, it's so great to hear a fiddle in music these days, <laughs> we have Mr. Philip Glenn. Say hello, Philip. Hello. And next to him, we have the lovely uh, Andy Schrock. Say hello, Andy. Hello. And you're Andy with an I, of course. The, the yes. Is that short yeah. for something, Andy? No, actually, my parents knew that's what they were going to call me, so they left it at that. Straight nice up, Andy. Short and sweet. Yeah. Uh, next to her, we have on bass and vocals, Mr. Clay Cheney. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Meant a few words. I am. Okay, you got a cool <laughs> hat, though. Uh, and on guitar, and also banjo, it says on the website, we have Mr. Jason Harris. Say hello, Jason. Hello, Jason. <laughs> See, I set that up every week, and once about every 10 shows, Funny someone guy. takes the bait. So thank you for that. And on drums, last but certainly not least, Mr. Kevin Brown. Say hello, Kevin. Hello. Okay, so uh, you guys are you're Los Angeles-based, but some of you come from as far away as Long Beach. Is that correct? Okay, so where where is the center? Like, where do you rehearse? Like, where's home base for this band? <laughs> well, we sometimes rehearse at Phil's Church down in La Mirada. Sometimes you rehearse at uh, the bike shop I work at up in Glendale. Oh, okay. Which or, which bike shop? I'm curious. Uh, Bicycle Land. Which one is that? Where's where it's is that? Uh, on Glendale Avenue between Lexington and Doran. Okay. Yeah, because I'm a Glendalean myself. Okay. Yeah, come by the shop. By. I could use some pedals. Actually, I have a bike that I need pedals for. I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll talk All to you right. after the show. We'll, do that. we'll talk bikes. Maybe we'll talk bikes on the air. Uh, <laughs> and so, but so, so you're so you're just kind of itinerant. You're all over the place. Yeah, nomadic. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you're an independent band. Correct. You're yes. not on anybody's particular like label or imprint or anything like that. So yes. what? I mean, there's there's a big difference between like indie, as like the style, and independent. And what what does that mean to you? Like being independent. What do you think? I to me it means not being on a label. I say we as far as the genre, we have somewhat of an indie vibe that's uh, that's there a little bit, but it's more overshadowed by the the old timey and bluegrass stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, indie almost, it's like alternative at one point wasn't a style. When alternative music first showed up, it was like a catch-all bin. This was like the late 80s, where they would put anybody who wasn't like classic rock, hard rock, metal, jazz, folk, country. It was like you'd hear all these different bands mixed in together. And now, you know, just like alternative has become a thing. Now, you know, that's the same thing for indie. At least I think it is. I think being an independent artist is really cool in a city like L.A. because you have such a sense of community. 
there. Not that there's not a community amongst the. Uh, I mean, I know the the you know the hip hop world is just filled with uh, collaborations all over the place. But I think you know there's something to be said about when you when you have all that all, all that money and that those huge studios and everything. Uh, this is Jason speaking, by the way. And you have those big studios. I think you you forget a little bit of something about a community and struggling together. And I really appreciate that about being an independent artist. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, you know, that's kind of the focus of this whole show is that like in almost everyone's independent now. You know, you see these big bands, bands that we've known about for years, bands that have been on big labels and artists who, you know, sometimes it's not even sometimes they were dropped, and sometimes they just their contract expired and they just decided they'd had enough of that whole rigmarole. And if they've got enough of a fan base, they can kind of do it themselves anyway. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for every, you know, I'm 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 trying to get to the bottom of whether it's a positive or negative thing. You know, this this idea of being controlling your own destiny. Like in some ways, it seems like more work. Yeah, because you're doing it all yourself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're we're hoping to go back. This is Phil, the fiddle player, the Phil, the Filipino fiddle player, by the way, which is a little weird. Um, we're hopefully going back in studio this coming summer and just trying to come up with funds and finding a place to record and that sort of stuff. If you're on a label, all you have to go in and do is sort of go in and do your thing. But we've got a lot more logistical stuff to have to work out. And as musicians, sometimes logistics aren't sort of your your strength right. as a person. I know I'm speak, definitely speaking for myself. So now yeah, We raised money for the first album. We raised, you know, it was all fan-funded. I mean, so that was that was definitely some work and stuff. <coughs> that was uh, there were some nervous, <laughs> nervous moments <laughs> and all yeah. that. You know, I have a friend who's a folk singer. He's actually been a guest on this show. He's a national, internationally touring folk artist. His name's Joe Jenks. I've known him since college. Great guy, uh, straight straight up folk, like old school folk, and uh, super talented guy. But he was the first guy I know that. Uh, would self-fund his records. Like before the record was done, he would ask for money from people essentially to pre-buy a copy. And I remember at the time thinking like, that seems kind of uncouth in a way because <laughs> that's the way the, the, the industry was. Like you, you somehow magically came up with the money or got onto a label, whatever, and then did your record. But it seemed, it seemed weird. But now that seems more commonplace, mm-hmm. right? Did you guys do like a Kickstarter for the first record? Yeah, Indiegogo. It's kind of a similar sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Are you going to stick with them for the next record too? Yeah, we're gonna we're actually shooting the promo video for our Indiegogo account right yeah. after this. Yeah, very nice. And yeah. our, you know, for these sorts of things, like you know, for, for okay, let me ask you this: the first record's done came out last April. It's called Here We Are. Uh, first record with this band, same lineup, correct? Everybody. Yes. Well, okay. it started out with just Andy and myself, Clay. Okay. This is Clay speaking. Uh, then these guys recorded on the record, and that's how the band, as the five of us, formed. And Jason actually produced the record and played. A lot of the instrument tracks, um, except drums and fiddle, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, doing it yourself. I mean, so what, to do to do it yourself, how much money did you did you need to do the first record? And did you make that goal? Well, we tried to raise ten thousand dollars. We raised about half of that. Um, then raised a few thousand after we did the initial tracks to uh, you know finish the mastering and artwork and all the packaging. And did so you forth. did you press CDs? We did. Okay, very nice. How many did you do? I'm kind of curious. Everybody, like 1,000 seems to be like the, mm-hmm. the thing that everyone did forever and ever and yeah, ever. Yeah, we, we did 1,000, and we probably have half of those Five left. left. Yeah. Yeah. There. You sell mostly at shows? We yes. sell mostly online. I'm not online. Yeah. Are you guys on CD yeah. Baby? We are. Yeah, CD mm-hmm. Baby's great. I mean, uh, I don't get a kickback or anything, but we they're great. I mean, they're, uh, we had the president of CD Baby on the show at one point, Mr. Brian Felsen, mm-hmm. talking about CD Baby. It was really, really cool to learn from his perspective, 
you know, he's not one of the guys that started it, but he's definitely a guy that's, you know, it's it's a, I don't say a corporate job, but he's not super rich or anything. It's not like some big cigar smoking music exec. <laughs> I mean, he's just a regular guy who works for this music company. Um, so let's hear, I want to play a track from that record. This is the track. It's called California. Here we are. It's kind of like the, the single such as it is right yeah, for the first right. record. Yep. Yeah, uh, sure. Just, let's make it official. Exactly. <laughs> give me, give me just a little bit of background about this track before we spin it. Can I tell it from an outsider's perspective? Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> I love how these two came together because it's just kind of like, well, first of all, we're all three from different, I mean, me and Andy grew up in Houston together. Clay's from Arkansas mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, most of us met in college, but uh, I think... It, Which college? Uh, Biola University. And um, I think uh, this song to me, just like, it really, really brings home the whole idea of a lot of people coming to L.A. and a lot of people wanting to get somewhere with it and a lot of people getting there and realizing that slowly but surely everyone else is pretty much different versions of them, right? <laughs> of themselves. And, and uh, I really... I really dig that about this and, and just how, how these two, Clay and Andy, ended up in, in the same city. It's kind know, of a, music together. a self-awareness story of yeah. sorts. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's play this track and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the genesis of the band and how you came from such disparate places but then wound up like finding common ground here and making music out of that. So this is the track, uh, California, Here We Are. The band is The Show Ponies. My name is Joe Armstrong. This is Independence Day. Let's rock with this. Born in Texas, raised in Arkansas. I was born in Texas, left home, I heard the call. I come to California for honey, milk, and gold. Sometimes they will warn you to do what you've been told. But if you don't, or if you do, you'll find yourself somewhere and you won't have a clue. Palestine, a heartbreak high school beauty queen. You were 21, I was 18. Hey, you had my heart when I heard you sing. Never thought I'd see you again. Well, here I am, just by coincidence. Texas, Arkansas, California, here we are. However long, however far, California. Around we see different versions of ourselves Sipping tea with someone else This, this promised land was broken And the words that have been spoken Can't be taken back So we'll stay here a while
trees are losing leaves, conceding one dream. So. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome out there. It's an honor to bring you these bands. Tonight, it's an honor to bring you the show, Ponies. As always, my name is Joe Armstrong. This is Independence Day. You can listen to us every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You can also go back to our website, indepthday.com, and stream any of these episodes. We've had some really, really great bands on here. Uh, if you're bored at work or looking for something to perhaps, I don't know, and, and uh, tickle your, uh, your intellect, please tune in. Give it a listen. Just some great bands. Uh, so we've got the show ponies here tonight. We're going to get to some live music from them here in just a few minutes. Uh, so you're doing this this style. It's old time with a Y, right? <laughs> yeah. um, what, what's what is it with the Y? And what is that? Why does that make it any different than so with an I? Should answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I I was surprised to see the Y personally. Um, I mean, that's sort of the style that I've gotten into. There's a lot of if you get really, really nerdy about bluegrass and folk, there's a lot of different sub-genres. Okay. And the stuff that I really got into a couple of years back when I was in Tennessee is a specific style called Appalachian Old Time okay. playing, where it's a lot more about dance rhythms and sort of being groovy rather than really hot sort of bluegrass. Fiddles. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I felt, especially with drums, I was really more concerned with the groove of what was going on um, rather than showing how many hot bluegrass licks I could play right. as fast as I could. Because well, the, the bluegrass purists would take umbrage with having drums. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah we're, we're playing uh, the Topanga Canyon banjo fiddle competition. Yeah. Um, we've, we've been asked to play, um, and it was really, really sort of like pulling somebody's teeth to let us bring a drum set on stage. And we can't bring electric bass. Yeah, yeah. that was out of the question. No. Kevin, can you bring a washboard maybe? I, I, think, I think washboards are approved, right? Yeah, I'm actually getting one next week. So yeah. We'll, we'll Ooh, try it yeah. Washboards Sharpen are... Thimbles. It's, a, it's a funny <laughs> instrument because it's, it's an instrument like tambourine, and I'm curious to see what you as the drummer think of this. Like Anyone who's never picked up a tambourine like makes fun of people who play tambourine, but when you actually play tambourine... Like, if you want to make those people who think they look like idiots look like an idiot, give them a tambourine. Because it's not how, it's not easy. Keeping time with the in and out, left and right, and if there's a head on the thing, what are, what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, can be, it can be more difficult than most people think. And it's, uh, it takes practice, like with anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I've done a lot of classical percussion, so when you say, like, headed tambourine, you can play in an orchestra and all that stuff, that's, that's like a whole other whole deal. But yeah, there's sometimes drums get sort of uh, a bad rap, or oh, it's easy to hit stuff, but... I like to try to change. I'm trying to change that, I guess. And yeah. Be, be more musical with it. Or always try to be musical. Yeah, and the, the washboard, I mean, uh, I've seen other people play it, and it's very similar. Like, you think, you're, oh, ha-ha, you get a washboard, and you strap it around your neck, and you wrap it with spoons or whatever you're going to wrap it with. But it's not that easy <laughs> it's at all. It's such a cool sound, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to be you have to be careful on how how you play it. Like with thimbles, you don't scrape the skin off your hand and, and right. All that stuff. And it's also it's it's also somewhat like a banjo in that it's very loud. Yeah. So if you're not doing it properly, or if you're sucking at it, it's yeah. very obvious that you're sucking at it. Yeah. It can only be loud. There's no soft. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like a banjo, you can't yeah. really play. I mean, I guess you could put some tape on it, but you can't really play a banjo quietly. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm curious. When you were learning to play drums, where did you learn? I mean, were you in a populated area when you learned? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I grew up actually in the Bay Area, so back in the land of Hella, where it's better. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. But the Giants are better than the oh, but, no, uh, no. So, no, I, I grew up, um, I learned um, classical percussion first and piano. Okay. So um, I'm, then I'm working on a master's in classical percussion at nice. um, Cal State Long Beach. So that's more of how I've been, I was taught, I guess, in training and lessons and so all that So you're legit, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a big deal. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Kind of a big deal. No, that's cool. I mean, uh, everybody comes at their instrument in, in different ways. I mean, I'm, I find it very fascinating how everybody's got their own path to, to what it is that they're doing. You know, like like for you, like you're you're like a fiddle wunderkind, are you not? Like, what's your... You're winning competitions. He really is. Well, he won't say it, but he yeah. is. Let me say it for him. <laughs> He's really good at what he does. Well, I mean, like Kevin, I was trained classically. I went to I went to Biola. Actually, a lot of us went to the same university. I went to play classical violin. Um, and by the time I graduated, I was really tired of playing classical violin. I still really appreciate um, the music. I I teach high school and middle school music in Roland Heights. Um, that's sort of what I do when I'm not here playing. Well, not here, here, but with the show ponies. Um, but just sort of this music was really, really where my heart was. Um, and a couple, two years back, I got the chance to go out to Tennessee to Mark O'Connor's fiddle camp. Um, and very, very I, renowned fiddle player. Yes. Oh, he's sort of like the dude. Yeah, the man in American fiddle playing. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be given the Daniel Pearl Memorial Violin. Um, which is sort of they give it to deserving fiddle players at the camp, whatever deserving means. But I got to play this amazing violin for a year, um, and I got free tuition to go back to Boston this past summer. And just sort of having people who knew what they were doing in the style really was a huge just encouragement to me because before that I was just sort of a Filipino kid from Los Angeles trying to play music from Kentucky yeah. or North Carolina. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Am I doing this right? <laughs> it's, it's so funny because there's there's this thing about geography. Like you guys, some of you guys are from Texas. Some of you guys are uh, you're from uh, Arkansas. As the song said, uh, <laughs> I was born in Texas and raised in Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, it, in those places, this kind of music has kind of a rich tradition. But like in, in Los Angeles, maybe not so much. I mean, people play it here. But, but then again, there's also this disconnect in geography, too, because everyone thinks that Credence is from Louisiana, mm-hmm. you know, but they're from the Bay Area. Or even Little Feed, the band Little Feed, who I think were based here. Everybody thinks they're kind of New Orleans kind of sounding Memphis. Yeah, Nickel stuff. Creek's from Oceanside. Nickel, yeah. Creek, <laughs> Nickel Creek is from like San Diego, yeah. you know. And, but I can kind of hear that in their music because it's so like – to me, San Diego is a very fresh city. Uh-huh. You know, it's very, it's very strip molly and like uh, – like I don't, there's not an oldness to San Diego. Right, yeah. It seems like a new city, so their their music reflects that to me. Yeah, it really does. You're you're right about that because they they do have so many different influences, and they really bring a modern twist into bluegrass and all those older genres. So, do you guys as the bluegrass cats? Do you like uh, the Punch Brothers? What they're doing? Oh, do you like man. what they're doing? I'm wearing a Punch Brothers shirt right now. <laughs> yeah, saw Very them nice. back in the El Rey Theater a don't few months ago. Flask? It was. <laughs> yes, I do have. I am a fanboy. I have. A, I have a Punch Brothers flask. Does it? Do you have something in it? I hope. Oh, usually bourbon. That's, okay. that's the yeah, bourbon man. 
All right, so let's. Uh, we've been yamming, yammering, yammering, yammering. Let's play some music here. Let's okay. let's do the reason why we have this show. Uh, tell me, uh, someone be uh, an elected, duly elected representative, and tell me what this song's going to be. Uh, this is Clay. I'll I'll take that responsibility. Uh, <laughs> this song is called "We're Not Lost." Um, it's about my best friend Sam Stuckey. Uh, he joined the military, and I went to college. Um, one summer, we went to Alaska and went on this hike. We knew where we were going, but it took us way, way longer to, to get back home than we thought it was going to take us. And so it just parallels the journey of that hike to the journey of life. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, he was nice, trying so uh, hard not to say that. I was in this, yeah, it sounds cheesy when you say it like that. Nicely done, man. I, I have to say, getting lost, you know, whether you think you're lost or not, getting lost in Alaska is an entirely different proposition <laughs> yeah. than being lost in Oceanside. Especially when it's midnight and it's light outside. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's, uh, this is the band The Show Ponies on Independence Day with their track, We Are, or We Are, We Are, it's the compound. We're not lost. Your face again My childhood friend How have you been? Would you show up At my door After the war You've been fighting in 12,000 miles in your car We slept on the Cassiar We wrote down our lives on video Now you've learned to shoot a gun And I took my 101s And we finally come to see That all we know where we are, but we don't know where to go. We were hiking up that creek just to see what we could find. To get back home But everything in between was undefined It was ten o'clock at night But the sun was shining bright Through the rain clouds all the colors they did show When we got up to that dress My heart was beating through my chest We were miles and miles and miles from the road We're not lost, we just don't know where to go Disembark and walk apart for miles But I miss you, my friend Well, I see you in the end Out in the unknown We're not lost We're not lost
And <laughs> laughter and joyousness. Now, that's great, man. The show ponies here on Independence Day. I love hearing laughter. That's the thing about music. Like, I have such a, like, a, a thing for depressing music. But, <laughs> but I, I'm not a depressing guy. Like, I don't want to be sad all the time. But I love depressing music. I don't know where that juxtaposition is. But it's in there somewhere. Uh, and again, so nice to hear fiddle. You played a lick in there. Like, one of my favorite bluegrass records is uh, Steve Earle and Del McCurry Band. Mm, they yeah. did this record called The Mountain. Are you familiar with that record yes. at all? What I love about that record is that it's, um, it's dirty. <laughs> you know, like, bluegrass, one thing, you know, nothing against Nickel Creek or Alison Krauss, who are, you know, towering figures in modern bluegrass music, but they're so pristine and yeah. clean. It's like, it's crystalline. You know, it's beautiful. But, like, I like a little bit of warts on my music. You know? Like, it's, 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 the, it's the beauty mark that makes it. It's the, it's the imperfection that makes it beautiful. And that record is just, it was produced like a rock record. Like, everything's crushed with 1176 compressors. And I'm sure Dell's never sounded like that any before or since. But there's a lick you played in there that was right off of one of those tracks, and it, it totally caught my ear. Well, thank you very much. Good work. I mean, you're your own man, though, man. You've got all the licks. It's good to hear it. Uh, so tell me a little bit. I want you to, and anybody can take this question, the genesis of the band and how you got to this style, you know, being from such different places and why this kind of bluegrassy, old-timey kind of thing as opposed to indie rock or rock or whatever else. You know, everybody's got, like I said, everyone's got a different path. Well, I think we kind of grew into it, I would say. Um, uh, Clay kind of came to me when we first started writing The Two of Us, and he had kind of more of a country, bluegrass-y way of writing, and I didn't. Um, if you listen to the first album, I wrote most of the sad, depressing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so you might like it. Um, but anyways, uh, then when we were recording and um, Jason put his input into it, and then, of course, when Phil onboarded, he influenced us so much with his knowledge of the uh, genre that I think we just kind of expanded into it and it just happened i don't even know we didn't even choose it yeah it's really it was, it's interesting because we we did a an interview for the bluegrass situation uh like a month ago the bluegrass situation yeah have you heard have you heard of these guys no the bluegrass situation they're uh it's a great blog on the internet that just uh it's just all things bluegrass love it they're great they have a festival every year called um the la bluegrass situation steve <laughs> martin comes out oh, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, chris Dealey and all those all those big bluegrass guys um, but, uh, yeah, we did, we did an interview with them and they asked us, one of the questions they asked us was, what are your influences? And it was really hilarious to see all five of our influences because, I mean, my biggest influences growing up were like Queen and Ben Folds Five. And I was always like trying to play Brian May solos and stuff right, like that. Right. And, uh, and then Kevin, I think you said your favorite album was like Deleuze in the Comatorium from the Mars Volta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Clay's talking about Waylon Jennings and everything. And I think Andy said something like Regina Spector or and some other people. And then Phil, you know, you can guess what Phil said. <laughs> some obscure fiddle player nobody's <laughs> yeah. ever heard of. Tommy Gerald or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you did say that. But Mine yeah. actually uh, Mason Jennings. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Mason Jennings. My bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just having all those genres kind of converge, I think it's something that we're still trying to work toward and figure out. One of the things, one of these songs here that we'll play in a minute uh, is uh, uh, called Whiskey and Wine. And um, Clay made a remark about it when we first wrote it because we kind of, we he wrote all the lyrics and everything, but we kind of combined on it and kind of wrote it together. And it, the remark that he said, he's like, this is like the 
the perfect infusion of all our, all of our styles. It's like that's yeah. what we'd like to feel at the end of every one of our songs, really. Right. Is is there anyone who like I always called it like in every band there's someone who's the guardian of the style, who's like the visionary person who says you know. I mean, because every band, again, they do it kind of differently. Like some people, to me, it sounds like you guys just threw everything in a pot and it, this is what it became, you know. But it doesn't seem like you're fighting anyone who really wants to have a half stack on this. It just kind of evolved into what it is, <laughs> you know. Because some bands, I mean, I've even played in those bands. Where, like I was, a, I was in this band in college where, you know, I just got my, my tube amp, my AC30 style tube amp, and I wanted it. I just loved the way that thing sounded turned up you know it was it's not metal but it's like mike campbell from tom petty style like loud okay. kind of ac30 style but they were kind of like a little bit folkier band and i mean it worked in some ways but looking back at it now i'm almost embarrassed like i should not have done that in that style but it's like when you're younger you're kind of growing into yourself and everyone just does what they do so i guess what i'm asking is you know in some bands people just do what they do in some bands there's someone who's kind of the guardian who says, no, 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 the show pony should be this or it should not be that. Was there ever a discussion or is there someone who plays that role at all? Um, as far this is Clay, uh, as far as the genesis of the songs, um, it's just been Andy and myself. Um, and there's really, there's hasn't really been any serious conflict uh, with Jason producing the last album. He's usually the voice of uh, leading the songs in a certain okay. direction, but we we come together. I feel pretty fluid as far as uh, putting influences without stepping on anyone's toes or or going one way that, that someone really wants to go. Ever since yeah. I went from being because when I was producing them, I you know initially didn't have any intentions of joining the band. Uh, I just thought you know they'd do their thing and maybe I'd help them play a few shows in there. But ever since then, I've been trying to get take myself out of the role of producer and kind of trying to insert myself as a as a member of, you know, an ensemble. And that's been kind of a difficult transition at times. I, I know we've butted heads a, a, few, times a few times on, yeah. on genre yeah. things. I think producing, however, I think it makes you a better player in the band, in the context of a band, because when you're the producer, you really have to step back and put a different hat on and you know, you, then you become the kind of the guardian of the style or the vision. You know, and that's where there's a lot of sometimes there's conflict between the band and the producer. You know, legendary like uh, Counting Crows' first album, T Bone Burnett, legendary mm-hmm. producer. They fought him tooth and nail. Yeah. His whole thing was, you know, strip it down, take everything away that shouldn't be here. Everything, everything. So if you go back, whether you like them or not, if you go back and listen to Counting Crows' first album, it's almost elemental. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there that shouldn't be there. I mean, some people say Adam Duritz's voice shouldn't be there at all, <laughs> but that's a whole different thing. That's their shtick, and it works. I happen to like it, but that's just yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that is but, one of my favorite records. But, there's, but it's so elemental, and they fought him on that. Think about that for a second. I mean, that band, that album sold millions and millions yeah. of copies. It put them on the map and kick-started a whole genre of folk rock, practically. But they fought him on that. You yeah. know? So it's different. Like, you, have to, you have to find that sweet spot in that relationship. And he's a musician. You know, so you put you and he still plays, he performs it. He was the first guitar player on the Alison Krauss and Robert Plant tour before Buddy Miller took over. Yeah. So, you know, can you imagine having T Bone Burnett in your band? <laughs> I can't, or Buddy Miller for that matter. Man, I can't. Say I can't imagine having Phil Glenn in my band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you big old softy. Yeah. <laughs> I well, think, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, one of, this is Phil, by the way. Um, one of the interesting things has been incorporating drums into the yes. sound. Just because, depending on the sort of traditional circles you come from, drums can sort of be, I don't know. Verboten. You played, yeah, anathema, whatever sort of scary word for... I've never heard that word. Oh. That's, a, that's a great Excommunicated? word. Excommunicated? 
there's lots of there's lots of words yeah, that can mean no no drums. Um, so I mean it's it's been fun trying to work it into the sound and make it feel organic. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't sound new grassy <laughs> to me. Right? Yeah, like, that's new grassy is something that <laughs> you don't want to fall into because yeah. that's kind of like the fusion of bluegrass. To yes. me. Like, I, I love jazz, but I don't care for fusion. Yeah. You know, and it's a fine line. I don't maybe maybe some of you love fusion. So, yeah, we're constantly uh, disagreeing on use of the ride symbol. Yes. <laughs> we're always fighting yeah. about that. I'm like, maybe no ride on this. You know, because yeah, yeah. I mean, symbols, elongated patterns played on symbols is really what bluegrass never has. Right. It's all you know, about that. Yeah, they'll have a chuck all, like yeah. the mandolin player will be the snare drum, right. and the bass player will bass be the players. bass drum. You right. have those two things. And, you know, depending on what they're playing, you even have fills. But you don't have an elongated cymbal playing a beat all the time. So I think trying to figure out where to put that without making it sound like really progressive, you know, bluegrass metal. Right. Well, it's a lot of, you know, and and Kevin, I'm really curious to see how you think about this from your perspective as the drummer. Because, you know, when you're playing drums and you're riding, you know, hi-hat's different if you're not opening and closing. It's it's a straight-up percussion. But anything like a ride cymbal or a crash cymbal has decay. And if you're pinging on a ride, 16s, 8s, whatever, it's just, it's just maintaining that decay, and it's got this high-end wash over everything. Like, how do you approach this music? Uh, well, it's kind of, I didn't grow up playing it. I mean, I, I grew up playing funk and, you know, then went to metal and double bass like every drummer usually does. Uh, <laughs> Are you a Rush fan? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it doesn't complete my life, but I, I do like it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, like I said before, I really like Mars Volta, like the first album, and I listened to a lot of Tower of Power, all that kind of okay. stuff. So more like... Is that Garibaldi? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I saw a drum clinic with that guy once. He's, I learned yeah. all about ghost hits from David Garibaldi. Yeah, he's, he's the king of that. They've been a band for 50 years. They've <laughs> That's all, unreal. I mean, the, the horn section... Uh, the tenor sax player is the same. The trumpets are all different now, but uh, bass, drums, keys, and the lead dude—not the singer, lead dude. The lead. Oh, sorry, the tenor, the tenor guy who kind of leads the band. Uh, right. Fifty years they've been a band. So, but anyway, um, playing drums in in this kind of uh, setting, yeah, it's different because I'm so used to like, okay, it's a chorus, so let's make more noise and make it bigger. So let's go to the ride cymbal. So, and then that's kind of where then sometimes it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. But then you know, I'm trying to kind of, I fit, I try to fit. Um, Fit the style and then kind of come up with different different stuff too. I mean, a lot of it is the same kind of train beat or whatever whatever uh, term you want to use for that. So yeah, it's, it's been fun. It, it can be sometimes like it, it, sort of frustrating, I guess, trying to find something something new to bring. But it's it's good it's a good kind of challenge to try to come up yeah. with other stuff, other patterns. Um, yeah, trying tambourines and shakers and and every other goat kind of toenails. goat toenails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all this other stuff. And I think yeah. you've done a really good job of incorporating the ride symbol without making it sound just so outside of yeah. the genre. Well, that's yeah, exactly it. You guys are not you're not new grass and you're not straight up bluegrass. Thank you you're, so much. This for is where that. we're coming <laughs> we're coming back around to the old time with a Y thing. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just it's really just folk folk rock kind of is what it comes down to. I like yeah. that. Okay. Anyway, all right. So let's hear what let's hear what this sounds like in in real time in real life. What's this next tune going to be, guys? Uh, this and, next song girl. is called <laughs> Chopping Wood and it's probably our closest song to rock, maybe. Yep. Hopefully rocks the hardest in the bluegrass folk world. <coughs> chopping wood? Mm-hmm. Ain't too good at chopping wood, but my daddy said I should. Need a gal with a nice strong back, childbearing hips in a one-room shack. I'm a hard, hard worker every day. Dirty hands and a little pay. I get up early and I get back late. 
Well, I ain't too good at matching clothes, wearing heels and pantyhose. I need a man that's sensitive, stoic and contemplative, a scholar and a gentleman, a collar with strong arms to hold me. The Show Ponies here on Independence Day. You can learn everything you'd ever want to know about them. It seems that their main site for this kind of thing is Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Show Ponies. They also have, the sh- excuse me, yeah, TheShowPonies.com. They are on the Twitter at The Show Ponies with underscores between the and show and ponies. <laughs> I, 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 you couldn't get The Show Ponies from Twitter? Uh, is there somebody else? Well. We're working on it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, it's a funny story. It's like an Australian... Uh, Stripper troop. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah so when people of... tweet at us, sometimes they're they're actually tweeting at a bunch of strippers. Yeah, yeah. there's a, a male stripper group called the Show Ponies. Re- oh my goodness. Yeah. Are we ever gonna they get showed it? up on our tour dates page somehow. Band names, man. That's that's a, that's the toughest thing. This band name thing. Yeah, it really. You know, is. because it's finding. You know, we are well into like pop rock music decades here, and. It, you know, Radiohead. Where do they come up with this a great name like Radiohead so late in the game? I mean, they've been around for a while, but we were well into the decades even then. You know, why? I mean, this is like the dumbest question of all, and I always swear that I never ask this question. But why the show ponies? 
Uh, this is Clay. We started out just Andy and myself, and she asked me, hey, do you want me to bring anything to rehearsal? And jokingly, I said, you know, bring yourself, your guitar, and a uh, miniature horse. And then I thought of the name, <laughs> just as a joke, and I thought of the name, The Show Ponies. And I asked her about it. Because it's kind of cute, but it's also kind of American. Uh, but it's also kind of sad because you think, you know, this is a horse in captivity yeah. that really just wants to be free. Mm-hmm. Wow. I've never, ever yeah. thought about it. I've never <laughs> heard you say it. And it's I, so I, deep. I, I said, hey, do you want to be the show pony? She's like, no, that's stupid. And I'm like, no, you're <laughs> stupid. Did. And she I said, said no, I'm not stupid. And I said, then the band name's not stupid. And it stuck. Yeah. So that's kind of a contrived story. That's it how it went. It kind of went like that. Not exactly. You know, because you can, you can overthink this to, to no end. You know, and nowadays with everybody having access to everything that's ever been written on your phone at all times, you know, anybody, you can think of a band name and go, and find out that there are 2,700 bands with that name. You know, go right to MySpace or Facebook or wherever. You, people are looking for those kinds of things. But, you know, it's tough, man. We've had band, countless band meetings, usually at a bar. You know, you get a pitcher of beer and you sit down and you're like, okay, everybody bring their list. And you go down the list and it's like, no, I hate that. No, I hate that. But, you know, it seems like, well, this is working. It's, it's, it's appropriate. It fits, you, it fits what you're doing. Before, uh, before the show ponies, me and Claire were playing in a band. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm supposed to talk to a mic. Um, yeah, before, uh, before the show ponies, Clay and I were in another band. And it took us like, I think it took us maybe a year and half an album before we came up with an actual name and it was a name that we still weren't that happy with so i mean the show ponies that's one of the first bands that i've ever played in where i heard the name i was like yeah yeah that works that's like that's perfect as i've never said that for a band name that i've been i've I've had mr meticulous and the sloppy joes that was probably the worst one yeah and rhinestone fargus which sadly was about the strongest one you know and that's the thing because you can it's a delicate thing because you think about the example I always give is the police. Disassociate what you know about Sting and Andy Summers and uh, what's the drummer's name? Uh, Copeland. And disassociate that and then think what, what, what does actual police mean to you? It means a big fine or like being busted when you were a teenager. Like it's yeah. a very negative association for most people who aren't actually police officers themselves <laughs> yeah. or are married to police officers. So, but you now you have this band called the police and they've totally reassociated that name with what they are. You do not think, I don't think about the police. I don't think about handcuffs or any of that kind of things when I think about the police. So actually when, I think it's kind of a cool name. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but that's just, that's what I'm saying It's like, it's, they've reestablished what that is to the, to their, for their own means, right. you know? And so when you come up with this band name, you know, it may be tied to the style of the music. It may not be. It may go with type. It may go against type. I was trying to explain. Uh, I'm taping an interview soon with uh, uh, a bass player from Leftover Salmon, who's in a bluegrass jam band from uh, Boulder area, Denver area. And, you know, there's. I was talking to my mother about this, and my mother's like, where do they come up with those names? Because <laughs> I was describing Leftover Salmon and their, like, their main competition, String Cheese Incident. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, where do you come up with bands' names? Like, or Toad the Wet Sprocket is the best example. Yeah. It's from a Monty Python skit. Brilliant. What a great place to come up with a band name. It was a fake band name from uh, like a fake pre MTV music news segment. Genius. Plain genius. All right, so I'm not, I've been talking too much. Let's hear some more music. I want to get some more, a couple more tunes in. So the only way to do that is to have you play one now. We'll come back, we'll talk some more. Is that cool? What's, the, what's, our, uh, what's our next tune going to be, boys and girls? Whiskey and wine. Whiskey and wine. Together? In a bowl? Um, 
That sounds dangerous. If you'd like. Chalice. Sure, you can do that. Right. I'm an adventurous guy. All right. Do you this... have a video of this up on the YouTubes? Okay. So if you search the show ponies, the show ponies, if you just search show ponies, you'll come up with the Australian stripper group. <laughs> so you, Maybe you guys should, like, join up. <laughs> uh, you know, I was thinking, let's do some cross-promotion here. You guys could probably mutually, be mutually beneficial. <laughs> I was thinking about not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Whiskey and Wine, the show ponies on Independence Day. I like whiskey, you like wine You're the kind of woman that's so refined I like horses, you like gin Told you never come around here again Up and down, up and down Hot and cold and square and round I never knew smile could make somebody frown Cats and dogs, wet and dry You're the cactus of my eye I bet that you can make a grown man cry You like boys, I like girls Get you on the dance floor, take you for a whirl I know what you're looking for So turn yourself around and find the door Black and white, left and right Hugs and kisses at a bar fight You and me will be day and night North and south, east and west, I like the way you wear that dress. You always try your worst to be your best. Oh, oh, if I told you I could hold you, would you play nice or just start a fight? But we're so far apart, different heads and different hearts are always at the end before I start. Oh, I hate your guts, but you got soul. You're like fire, I'm a little lamb and you're barbed wire I'm like rubber, you're like glue, what you want ain't gonna come true Tight and loose, father goose I'm a cute and you're a suit You're the hangman pulling on my noose Early, late, small and great, good and bad and love and hate Lock up all your doors and close your gate
like a queen I sent you to the guillotine Call me crazy Okay, fine I wish that I could make you mine I'm Bloomingdale's and you're the five and die Call me stupid Yes, you are I don't care about your daddy's car I don't like horse slider PBR Very, very nice to show ponies here on Independence Day. That is a catchy tune. I like it. And one thing I really want to talk about, and this is for uh, you, Andy, and you, Clay, uh, this paired vocal thing. I mean, that was kind of a back and forth thing, which is a classic male female vocal thing that's been they've done, especially in country music, that, you know, through the ages. But you guys do a little bit of that thing where it seems like your melodies are constructed to be two. At least that's what I got out of my listen to the record, where it's not like one of you writes a song and then one of you shows up and goes, "Oh, uh, this is where the harmony should be in this. It should be a third or a fifth, and I should be below. It should ever blah." But it seems to me crafted like like the Indigo Girls and the Jayhawks are the one that come to mind for me. Like they sat down together and both sang a part, and that was the part as two of them always from the beginning. Like, am I off base here, or is this kind of what you're going for? I'd, I'd say you're right in some instances and wrong in others. Uh, I don't mean wrong. Welcome negatively. to my life. I just mean incorrect. I'm sorry. That's that sounds negative. Um, we usually write songs separately, then come together. Um, but if it's a dual melody part, we'll write that with keeping in mind that there's going to be another person singing that part. Specifically on this song. We had a, it took us a long time to write the chorus, and we did write the chorus, uh, Andy, myself, and Jason. And Jason, with a musical composition degree, really helped us to uh, craft it in a way that it works harmonically, where I'm singing the uh, harmony below the melody, Andy's singing the melody, and I drop down to harmony. Mm-hmm. Andy, what's your take on this? Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with everything Clay said. There's times when we, he comes to me and he shows me a little tidbit of what he's made, and then we kind of move forward from there. Um, a lot of the times, like he was saying, it's Jason, him, and myself that get together. So when any of us has anything that we've written or started, we usually bare bones bring it to each other, and then we kind of build off of it. So you write collaboratively then? Um, as of lately, that first album was pretty much just Clay or just I writing the songs. So that's what I'm really excited about. The second album is I feel like it's more of a collaborative yeah. effort. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what the second thing sounds like because every band through every album, like they learn about themselves as performers, as people, as writers. Uh, everyone moves forward in their life. And, you know, there's that saying, everyone has, every band has their whole life to make their first album. And they have like, a year to make their second album. <laughs> and then, you know, so, you know, aside from the sophomore slump or the sophomore curse, whatever you want to call it, it's usually just, it's a very different experience, you know, because there's, there's kind of two types of sophomore albums. It's a bunch of stuff that's left over from the first album. Or I mean, maybe there's more than two, but the two that come to mind. Or it's stuff that, you know, they, they do the first album, then they get out and tour, and it's stuff that happened when it was on tour, and it's all that stuff or stuff that happened since the first album, but it's very compressed. You know, it's all things that have to, has to happen more in the moment as opposed to an idea that you had literally from sophomore year of high school, which you might still be kicking around. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. No, that's a good yeah. 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 Go ahead, Phil. Oh, well, this is Phil. Ha-ha. Um... What's interesting about this is the first album was really kind of just Andy and Clay. They recorded all the tracks in Austin, um, which is where Jason's got connections and stuff like that. So they will do it on the cheap. Um, but I came in. I did the fiddle tracks. I was just a studio guy. I knew Jason. and I had just gotten back from Tennessee, and I was really jazzed on playing fiddle. And they're like, we just want you to come in and lay down a couple fiddle tracks. I had like a day to figure out what I was going to do. I'm working on it the night before. I'm like, man, I would really love to play with these guys. I hope they want me to play with them. But I didn't. Want, I didn't say anything. I just came to play my cool. stuff. Yeah, because yeah. 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 we're so exclusive. They're, <laughs> they're so dreamy. Yeah. But now with this, the stuff that we've played today is none of it's on on the on the album that we just that we're that we that you heard at the beginning. Okay. Um, so this next album is really, I feel like, it's going to be a product of the five of us rather than just the combined creativity of Andy and Clay. And that's one thing I think that'll make it definitely interesting and different from the first record. You know, the other thing about it is that when we, they wrote all those songs, you guys wrote those songs in a period of eight months. Some of them Andy whipped out from teenage years. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and then sad ones. and we went into the, <laughs> we went into the studio and I'm a big fan of recording albums really fast and doing a song a day and getting them done. And just having the record be the record, do all the sorry, do all the preparation. The studio guy forgets yeah, to talk into the microphone. <laughs> doing all the preparation beforehand, you know, doing the practice and the getting tight and all that, uh, doing that beforehand. But we kind of this was like a barnstorm. I mean, we, we we went into the studio, we recorded all in two weeks. We called a drummer on the day we got to Austin. Was like, hey, will you come play drums on this record? We ended up having two drummers play on it. A, uh, we we rented a double bass. I mean, we just we went nuts with it for like two weeks, and then that was it. But this time, I mean, we've been these songs have been gestating, you know, with all of us, and I'm I'm really pumped to see to, yeah. to see what comes out. I bet it, I, I'm guessing it's going to be kind of different or very different because I now, so. I mean, and I'm curious to see uh, Kevin Philip, what you know, what you guys have to think about this is that like you guys are seem to kind of like the ringers of this thing. Like every band's got to have like the ringer. I mean, you, everybody's talented, but like you're a shredder. I'm looking at you, man. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, and then, you, you know, you being, like, legit, like we talked about before. <laughs> so legit. Yeah, so legit. Um, you know, that really changes, you know, having... Because I've done that exact same thing. I've produced an album, bands that I was playing with, and then, like, I remember specifically, this is in college, going, like, we want that drummer and we want that bass player to be in the band. So the way we're going to get them in the band is to get them to play on the album. And then while we're doing the album, they will discover how cool of a cool experience it is playing with us. And then... Uh, you know, then they'll be interested in playing live shows with us, and it'll be easier to ask them then because then they now know this music because they've played it, and mm-hmm. it totally worked. Yeah, that's <laughs> manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> do the same thing with Phil and Kevin. <laughs> well, that's just it because at the time, you know, there's there's you know, especially in college, like the, there's kind of a hierarchy. Like you know who like that's the best bass player in the school, and that's the best drummer in the school. And, really you know, is, and you yeah. can, and you think they might, you know, like, kind of like you were talking before, Phil, it might be hard to get them to play on your stuff because they're the most on call, the most in mm-hmm. demand, they're the busiest, you know, the most promise, whatever you want to say. And, but then you, you know, you kind of use these Jedi mind tricks to get them <laughs> to come play in your band and then it does work and it's cool and it's fun. And, it, and the band was amazing that way. You know, we totally tricked them. You know, what's, what's really great about playing with uh, Kevin and Phil being such great musicians, and I'm, 
Why am I forgetting to do this? I'm sorry. You're very relaxed. That's a good studio. thing. I am. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm more at Starbucks having a conversation than I am in a, in a studio recording interview. Anyways, so with Kevin and Phil, you know, I mean, anybody who's ever gone to music school, you talked about Berkeley earlier before we started the interview. Anyone who's ever gone to a music school knows how pretentious of an environment it can be like i mean I, what do I think you mean about, do what i said what do you mean uh, well specifically without pointing anybody out everybody's gonna know who i'm talking about when i say this but no uh it, it's uh it's just uh it's a competition it, it really becomes a competition and you know usually someone needs to have a certain image about themselves in order to feel good about themselves i mean you know reflecting back on it now i was one of those people and uh you know but kevin and kevin and phil what's great about kevin and phil is that they're you know easily the best two at what they were doing when we were at school at the time but everyone wants to play with them because they're so cool like they're so nice they're so humble yeah. they don't have to talk about how good they are or what they've done or the competitions phil, phil gets red and always cringes whenever we try to talk about him and tell people like this kid's awesome and uh you know I, I don't know. Like, I, it's it's just such a blessing to be able to play with people who are really, really awesome guys and excellent musicians. Because sometimes that, you know, it doesn't match does up. Not yeah. go together. I mean, I, one of the best pianists, one of the most talented dudes I know, is just the biggest douchebag alive. No fun to work with at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a and shame. It's, and it's a shame because you see a lot of those people getting far, and you you know you get to. I've got this whole thing I call the Miles Davis exception. Uh, and I'll try to keep this short because I want to get another song in before we run out of time here. Um, but I, I should like trademark this because the Miles Davis exception comes from the idea that you know Miles was kind of a jerk. Like his whole thing was he would he would empty his spit valve on people in the front row, <laughs> but people would clamor to be that person oh that gosh. got Miles Davis spit in them because it's Miles Davis. Right. So anytime I I think of someone who's like like really talented is acting like a jerk, I just have one question for them. Are you Miles Davis? Because if you're not Miles Davis, you better cut it out, man. Yeah. You're being a jerk. Because if you know, there's there's one Miles Davis, and I'm not even saying Miles, you know, should have done that. Yeah. But if anyone can do that, it's Miles Davis, and right. you are not Miles Davis. So knock it off. Yeah. So there, that's that. I'm putting the Miles Davis exception out there into the I world. I like that. It works for yeah. me. If you're ever yeah, feeling it. cocky, just ask yourself, "Am I as good Miles as Miles Davis yet?" Or just quite simply. <laughs> Am I Miles Davis? Yeah, or yeah, that's even better. Are you Miles? To keep it simple. Simpler is better, and that, and that and that ties into what you guys are doing too, because you know the hallmark of a, a good musician to me is is someone who knows what not to play, and that's something that you guys are doing very very well. You're not putting extra stuff in. It goes back to the Counting Crows thing we were talking about before, and that's 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 a beautiful thing. So keep doing it. I like Thank it. Uh, how about another tune before we run out of team, run out of time? Sure thing. This one, we're gonna uh, play an old one called. Bury me beneath the willow. You know? Oh, is that what we're gonna do? Yeah, feature Andy on it. Oh. All right. Okay. <coughs> this is a traditional tune. We did not write. Oh, this sorry. One. This is a traditional tune. It's a cover. <laughs> it's not cover. When you said old, you meant cover. you meant actually old, not old in your repertoire. No, this is an old.
Dig it, dig it, dig it. That's great, guys. Uh, we are just about out of time. I can't thank you enough 
coming by, sharing music with myself, with our listeners. Music is like the greatest thing. It connects us all. It's vibrations, man. The whole <laughs> world's vibrating, and you guys are making joyous vibrations. So keep up, keep up the good work. Good luck on the next record. Thank, Thank you so much. You. And you guys are playing some shows. Uh, you've got, uh, let's see here. Oh, the video comes out this Friday. That's for the song That's Chopping right. Wood, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they can find that on your YouTube page, I guess. <coughs> is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, also, Sassafras, Hollywood, California, the, on the 28th of February. That's coming up just just uh, right around the corner here. Playing at the Redwood, uh, downtown L.A., with the Dust Bowl Revival on the 17th. Another Independence Day band. Love those cats. Love they make a joyful noise as well. Uh, you'll be up in the Bay Area uh, late March, 22nd to 24th. Those uh, locations to be announced on your website later. Also, the aforementioned Topanga Banjo Fiddle Contest in beautiful Agoura Hills, California, in May. With drums. With yeah. drums. With drums. Tearing it up. Tearing it up with the washboard. So, uh, and then you can also, of course, pick up their first record, Here We Are. came out last April. Pick that up. Go to Facebook.com, The Show Ponies, and they're also on the CD Baby. So, Clay, Andy, Jason, Kevin, Philip, thank you very much for coming by. We do appreciate it so very much. Thank you. Thanks to The Show Ponies, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, and to Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Smith Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.